Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, In This House. There are certain things that define every household, things that make them unique, and things that are important to them. A church many times functions the same way. In this series, we are going to look at the things that are important to us here at Connection and what it means to be a part of a church family. First of all, I want to say welcome uh, to Connection Church. If you're new, man, welcome here. We're glad you're here. Um, it has already been an awesome day, um, and we've already broken records as a church, specifically four hymns on one Sunday. Amen. Amen. We broke a record there. Yeah, praise the Lord. Um, getting out of our little shell. And uh, so it's good, man. And, and uh, it's been a great day. Um, we want to continue to see God move and believe that God will continue to move through uh, this church, through his word today, and uh, as our worship continues. Listen, uh, if you missed the announcements this morning, check out that card. There's a lot of cool things that are going on, and there are a lot of cool things that God's doing, and we want you to be a part of those things. And so check that card out, and uh, if you want to give us some information about you, we'd love to contact you. So check all that out. All right, we're going to jump in today. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're about to read verses 12 and 13, and we're going to get going. And we're talking about this week, continuing this series of, and this thought of in this house. And you heard Tanya pray, God, in this house, we, we pray for this and we pray for that because we think about in this house, we think about a family. Families live in homes, you know, or, or, or places where they gather. And, and our home is, is our family, and there's things that we instill in our family. There's values that we have. And this series is really looking at those values and the things that we believe are important and the things that are important to God that now become important to us as he begins to create us in his image. And so today, we're actually going to talk about this great privilege we have, this great honor we have is to serve to serve God. And so we're going to begin looking at that. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13, or your phone, or your iPad, or your laptop, or whatever it is that you use, or your memory. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Just file through. All right. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13 says this, the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. And Paul, let me take a second. Paul's writing here to a church, the Corinthian church. And he's saying, listen, guys, you're all one. You're all, you all are united with Christ. You're united together in the headship of Christ. You're one body. And verse 13 says, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we're all given the one spirit to drink. Let's stop there, pray and get going. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. God, I pray that it's powerful today. God, we know it is living and active. And God, I thank you that it'll accomplish every purpose for which you've given it this morning. God, I pray that your heart would be clearly communicated, not just through my words, but through your spirit as it moves in our hearts, God. Do what only you can do. Bring us to life, to life abundant in you, Jesus. We love you, God, and thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you like the hymns this morning? Anybody? Hymns, pretty awesome, wasn't it? Man, and, and I was sharing actually with my mom this week, and I said, Mom, we're actually singing four hymns on Sunday. After she picked herself up off the floor, she was like, wow, that's so awesome. And, and, and I could tell there was a genuine excitement about her wanting to sing those hymns. And, and, and I realized that the reason she wanted to sing those hymns is because it takes her back in in her past to when she was a little girl or as she was growing up or her teenage years or, or times in her life that things weren't good, but she sang those hymns and she felt the presence of God and, and 
It brought security. It brought comfort. And sometimes when we sing those hymns and that's been our experience with them, it begins to bring that comfort, that security, that presence. So that we sense that takes us back to good times with a good God. And even when times weren't so good, a God that walked through those times with us, it takes her back to a little church where my granddaddy was a bivocational pastor and they sang those hymns, reminded her of good times. I thought myself this morning about how cool it is when we sing those hymns together, that we're joining with all the saints who sang those hymns for hundreds of years. And I thought about what some of them were probably going Going through when they sang those hymns and they lifted their hands to Jesus and they began to praise him and all the people who have clung to the truth of those songs and God brought them through things. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Pretty cool to think about how God does that, how he uses the truth in those messages to speak to our hearts. Now, let's talk about me for a moment. When we sang those hymns, and I told our worship leader this, when I found out that his, it was in his heart to do four hymns this morning, I was like, okay, <clears throat> wait a minute, you're challenging me. You're challenging me. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, listen, for some people, they sing those hymns and it reminds them of good times. It reminds them of experiences with God. And I said, but for me, when I think about those hymns, I think about everything that I ran from. And some of you can probably relate to that experience. It was kind of that environment that those hymns were sung in that you tried to escape and you, and you began to listen to different music and maybe you had an experience with God with different songs that began to take you to that place. Whereas my, maybe my, my mom sings just as I am and she begins to have this experience with God taking her back through years of God's faithfulness. I sing a Hillsong United song and it does that for me, right? It's just different, neither right nor wrong. But I was excited at the same time that I was being challenged because I realized this, I have an opportunity to see those songs with fresh eyes. I have an opportunity to experience God through the truth of these songs in a new way. And this is what God showed me this week. It was my experience that distorted my view of those songs. That makes sense? And it was my experience... It caused me to see them the way they are. But thankfully, I have an opportunity to see them in a different way. It was my experience that caused something that had the potential to be great in my life and to minister to me and to help grow me up and to help me hear God's truth. It was my experience that distorted that opportunity and that really and truthfully robbed me of something that had the potential to be great. I tell you that because I hope it'll help you relate to this. For many of us, that's the same thing that's happened with us in serving. Because nobody in here, when I said, today we're talking about in this house, what's important to us? Today we're going to be looking at serving. Nobody went, yes! I love that topic. I love to serve, 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 serve. And so for many of us, the experience we've had with serving, eh, right? Just not the best. Some of us have been hurt. Some of us have been wounded. Some of us have gone through things. Some of us were disappointed. So I was wondering, why are we doing this? And so today, my heart and my prayer is that through the scripture, through his word, through the message that God has put in my heart, I pray the Holy Spirit communicates to you. Listen, we begin to see it differently. We begin to get an accurate picture of what serving is. And we begin to realize that something that for many of us maybe has been distorted by our experience is actually something that can usher us into the presence of God and be something great in our lives. If we're going to do that, I believe this, 
I believe there are a few things we got to get straight. In fact, I believe this today. I believe there's a few things we've got to see accurately. Because remember, my view was distorted. My experience distorted my view, my understanding, my ability to see serving clearly. And I find it very prominent in the church that the one place we have the most trouble serving, being excited about it, being satisfied through it, enjoying it, is in the church. A lot of us can find it other places. Today, I want us to see clearly why God calls us to serve his church. That church being the body, being people, not a building, not an organization, but a group of people who are doing life together. So the first thing I want you to be able to see clearly, I want you to be, you can write this down. You, listen, you ought, to, you ought to write these down because you can go home and look this up yourself and study these through the word. Listen, the first thing I want you to see clearly is I want you to see this whole picture of how serving fits. I want you to see the big picture. I want you to see the whole picture of what God is doing. If you listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts and though all its parts are many, they form one body. The first thing he says, the body's a unit. What does that mean? It's one. And he's not speaking of like our physical body necessarily. He's using it symbolically to represent the church body. Us gathering together as believers in Christ. The the body that is unified under the headship of Christ. The big C. The church, his church, his bride. He said, I want you to see that it is one, it is unified, it's together. And so I want you to see, for one, this whole picture of the body as a unit, as the big picture of God's story. I want you to understand that the church is that story. The church is not a sub-point to that story. The church is that story. The church was not an afterthought to God. The church is the thought of God. It was his plan from the beginning. In fact, Ephesians 3.10 tells us that God's intent was that through the church, his manifold wisdom will be displayed through the universe. That through us, the manifold wisdom of God would be displayed through the universe. And I want you to see that that is the story that God is writing. He's writing a story with you and I. It is as if the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, begins to use us to write this incredible story and give the world this incredible picture of who God really is. So that people look at the church, the people, And they see the love that God has for them. They see the love that we have for each other. And they begin to get a picture of God. But we've got to get to a place where we see this whole picture. We see the gospel story. We see the gospel reality as being this part of God's creation that brings this story to life brings it to life in us. We see that God began, his plan was from the beginning. To send his son to die on a cross, to take our sin upon his body, to be buried, to rise from the dead, overcoming sin and death, to ascend into heaven, to sit at the right hand of the Father and send his spirit back so that he can write this story through us, using us as church to glorify himself. That's a pretty awesome thing to think about, that God has called us to be a part of writing his story through the church as his spirit draws people to himself he's called us to be the body the church united under the headship of christ and we begin to see that's why i believe the priorities for our service is one it starts at home 
We glorify God through how we serve our spouse, how we serve our children, how our spouse serves us. We glorify God in that. And then our second priority is the church. The church, the local church is the hope of the world, is the hope of changing communities and states and countries, continents, the world. It's what God's called us to do. He's called us to be used. And then listen, here's the thing I know. If we serve our, if we're, our hearts have been touched and our hearts have been changed to the point we serve at home and we serve family and we serve the church, the church is going to change the world. We're going to serve the world. Bottom line, period. Because here's the thing I know, you can't love Jesus more and love the world less. And he's given us his example of service in his own life. That's something that we should see. We need to realize that serving is joining a movement. It's not continuing a tradition. When we sing those hymns, we're not doing something for tradition's sake. We're doing something that began long, a long time ago. We're continuing a movement that began a long time ago. It's something that, 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 that started um, before the foundations of the earth were laid, that Jesus was planned, that God began this movement to reconcile people to himself and reconcile people to each other. In other words, to connect people to him and connect people to each other. And we're joining in this movement that pushes the ball down the field. What an awesome thing to see the big picture, to see the whole picture of what God's doing. The other thing we want you to see is we want you to see the big picture in this church of why do we serve? Why do we, why do we put people in blue shirts in the parking lot when it's 100 degrees? Why do we have greeters who wear blue shirts and, and hold signs that, that are telling you, you know, God loves you or you're part of the body or how you doing? You know, whatever those signs say, why do we put people in those blue shirts? Why do we do that? Why do we put so much emphasis on service? When we got six weeks to talk about in this house, why would we take one Sunday and talk about this topic? We want you to understand. We don't want you to just serve. I believe this is the experience many people have had in church because you didn't really know what the point of the service was. Is It was almost like we said, okay, here's this pile of dirt over here. Take this shovel and wheelbarrow, move that pile of dirt over here, dump it out, then shovel it back up, put it back in the wheelbarrow, move it back over here, dump it out, keep doing that. No point, right? And I think for a lot of us, our serving has been somewhat like that, where it's constant motion, constant energy, but there's really no end goal in sight. Because you're moving that dirt, you're like, I don't understand the point of that. Why am I, I'm not even digging a hole. I'm not creating anything. Why am I doing what I'm doing? I just feel like I come in and I go out and I come in and I go out. I'm not accomplishing anything. We have to know why we do what we do. I read a thing the other day that said 2% of pastors can clearly articulate the vision of their church. And I believe that that's a big part of the reason that churches are in decline in the United States. We don't know why we're doing what we're doing. But we want you to know that everything we do is an attempt to fulfill God's mission, an attempt to fulfill what he wanted to do in the beginning, which is to have a people who love him, people now who have been reconciled to him and reconciled to each other and love each other and people who now bring him glory because of the way they relate to him and the way they relate to each other. That's why we do what we do. We connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other. When you're in the parking lot, that's what you're doing. When people pull in the parking lot and they see you standing out there and you're wiping sweat and waving, you know, and with one, one hand wiping sweat, the other hand you're waving, 
waving at them. Man, you know what you're doing? You're saying God loves you and he loves you so much that I'm willing to stand out in a hot parking lot, sweating, going to go in nasty and sit next to my wife and have her tell me how bad I smell. And I'm out here doing that so that you can begin to experience the love of God. Why do we have greeters in the hallway holding signs so that you can begin to experience the love of God. It's why we do what we do so that you can begin to see God loves you and he has a heart to connect with you. We love you. We want to connect with you. We want to do life with you and help you. And we begin to display that love. Why do we do what we do? So that people can see the love of God, that they'd be reconciled to him, that they'd be reconciled to other believers and we do life together. That's why we serve. Not here to build It's an organization. We're here to continue a movement of God. It began years ago. It's not just about trying to keep things going. I want you to understand that it's very intentional. There's nothing here that we do that that is just by having said. We don't just like go, cool, man. um, I don't know. I heard the Beatles on the radio the other day and thought it'd be awesome if we sang a Beatles song in church. Like we did a couple of weeks ago, right? The point wasn't just to sing the Beatles because we like the Beatles. The point was to sing a Beatles song to help illustrate a point to say, hey, listen, guys, here's the reality. We've been trying to define love for hundreds and thousands of years. But the reality of it is man cannot define love, nor can man grasp love apart from God. We don't show you pictures of Susan and I, really bad pictures of Susan and I in the 90s with our flamboyant striped shirts on sitting on a 1983 honda accord and play a george Strait song just so that we can play george Strait, or so we can show pictures and so we can have you go oh we do that to illustrate a point it is possible to be completely consumed with someone or something and that someone or something should be god everything's done until we're not trying to do anything just to do it we're doing it to demonstrate the love of god to demonstrate how badly he wants us and to demonstrate that his desire is to connect to us, his desire is to connect us to each other, that we can do or paint this picture that God is clearly seen. The second thing I want you to hear today, and I want you to get an accurate picture. Number one is you got to see the big picture. The big picture with the big C, you got to see the big picture of the local church. The second thing you got to see is that you've got to see an accurate picture of yourself. Listen to these verses and First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 it's, uh, or 14 it says now the body is not made up of one part but of many if the foot should say because I am not a hand I do not belong to the body it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body and if the ear should say because I'm not an eye I do not belong to the body it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body if the whole body were an eye where would the sense of hearing be if the whole body were an ear where would the sense of smell be but in fact God has arranged God in other words, God put these gifts in you God created you God knows what he wants to do through you God arranged the parts of the body every one of them just as he wanted them to be if they were all one part where would the body be as it is there are many parts but one body basically this is what you have to see you've got to see yourself accurately and see that if you are in faith in Christ you are a part of the body in fact you are an indispensable part of the body that is integral to the things that God desires to do the picture that God wants to paint you're integral to the big picture of the church you're integral to the church giving the world an accurate picture of God that's hard for a lot of us to wrap our mind around 
that God desires to use us. And you go, me? Yes, you. You go down to verse 27. Paul's speaking in all these, these sort of illustrative ways of saying, listen, you're like an eye, you're like an ear, you're like a mouth. And he leaves out some parts of the body, didn't want to offend anyone. And, and he says, this is reality. You're a part of it. And then he comes down and finally, just as Paul is very good at, he gets very direct in verse 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So it's almost like, look, I painted this illustration of how each one of you are important. Each one of you have been gifted to do um, the work of God, to paint this accurate picture of God. And he says, now let me just get straight to it. You are part of the body but you are the body of Christ the church the people of God and it's hard for us sometimes to hear that it's hard for us to understand that we are an indispensable integral part of the body every one of us in here understands that some things are integral some things are very very important to life right I mean, yeah yeah y'all fan it's hot in here I know here's the reality we know like right now even though it's hot like we like oxygen, don't we? Because it's important, it's integral to life, right? I remember when I was a senior in college, my parents uh, sent me out on a trip to uh, Steamboat, Colorado. I actually went out there snow skiing for a senior trip, uh, my, my senior year in college. And I get out there, it was the first time in my life that I'd ever ordered sweet tea. And they looked at me like I was crazy. Anybody else ever done that? Like you go north, you go west, and people are like, yeah, I want, let me get some sweet tea. And they're like, sweet tea? And when I said it, first of all, I don't think they understood my Southern accent. So I think they were like, what language are you speaking? And then I think they were like, and what is this sweet tea that you speak of? I'm like, you don't have, and they're like, would you like us to bring you a glass of unsweetened tea? I said, no, I'll just take my glass and go dip it in a mud puddle and drink that because that's basically <laughs> the same thing. And some people are like, well, sweet tea is good. No, it's not. Or unsweet tea is good. It's like, no, it's not. The only reason you don't drink it is because you don't want the sugar. But if you had a choice, you know, deep down in your heart, you would drink sweet tea. It's an important part of life. It's what, you know, the commercial says, you know, that America runs on Dunkin'. No, it, the South runs on sweet tea. It just does. And so it's the first time I ever said, Sugar, integral part of tea. It's like a car. I mean, it's like a car. A car is great, but not without wheels, right? No. Imagine if you're 16, you wake up on your 16th birthday, your parents are like, hey, big guy, got the keys to your new ride. And you go outside and they're like, fire up. And you look and there's no tires on the car. Important part of the car. Some of you gone out and you've turned the key to, to, to your car and it didn't do anything. Why? The battery's dead. Batteries are important parts of the car. Or how about a steering wheel? Important parts of the car. Like you can walk out and be like, man, this car is awesome. I'm going to take it for a drive. And then you get in and there's no steering wheel. You're not going to go, well, let's do it anyway. It's, you're not. It's useful, but not without a steering wheel. And the thing I would tell you is you need to see yourself as this integral part of the body. And every person that has come to faith in Christ is an integral part of the life of the church, both the big C and the local church. You're an integral part of the life of the body of Christ. One of my favorite things that's happened lately, I was having a conversation with one of our staff members and she told me how excited our greeters were the first time that we had them hold the signs that communicated. Um, it was the, during the week we talked about the love of God and, and, and it just said, God loves you. Um, we love him because... Um, 
he first loved us. Different verses that communicated the love and, and, and what they were excited about is they were like, we were such a part of the message of the church. And so I was like, when I found out, I was like, well, do it this week too. Like, let them, that's awesome. Cause here's the reality of our church is that we're communicating the same message from the parking lot to the pulpit. You've heard me say that before, but it's absolutely true. We're communicating one message is the message of Jesus. It is the gospel. It is that God would let nothing stand in his way, not death, not sin, not hell, nothing to connect us back to himself. That is the message we're proclaiming that God has a better story for our life than we could create. He is the author of life, the giver of life and the perfecter of life and he's the one that we're proclaiming if you're in the parking lot that's what you're telling people god loves you when you're holding these signs you are a part of the message when you're holding a baby you're telling people god loves you you're telling the child god loves you when you pray over that child god loves you it's all one message that we're all communicating and paul comes to this great place of saying recognize now you're the body of christ you are the body, each one of you is a part of it. But here's the thing I realize. That many of us hear that verse in different tones. You hear it different ways. You have different thoughts when you hear it. And here's the thing that I know. The tone in which you hear something determines oftentimes how you hear it. Doesn't it? So that even with my children, the way I say their name communicates something. So if I say, Dake, that means, what were you thinking? At what point did it seem like a good deal to fill the glass completely to the top with apple juice and then walk in and sit on the couch? Dake? Why? Right? Or I can do this. Read. That means read whatever you're climbing on, you need to get down. And we read, I can say it from the other room without even looking because I know he's climbing on something. So like every two minutes, it's just read. And he knows. And you'll see him, he'll be like. And then he get down, you know. But it communicated in the tone. And then there's this one. When Susan says, Jackson Bruce Williams, Dake Jefferson Williams, Brandon Reed Williams, and then when she says my name, Brandon Jefferson Williams, I'm like, all right, that means run. That means go. Because she is mad about something. And so you better get it. But the tone means everything. And the thing that I realize is that for a lot of people, man, you hear that tone because of the experiences in your life. You hear that tone in a different way. You hear now you are the body of Christ. Some of you hear it in this way. You hear it as if I'm not good enough. And it would be as if I came up to you and I said, I play point guard for the Miami Heat. Nobody would be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Nobody would do that. Because it's, it's not true for one. And obviously, I don't play basketball, right? And so here's the thing, though. We hear you are the body of Christ. And we hear it in this way. You're the body of Christ? As if you're the Miami Heat point guard? We don't think we're good enough. We don't think God could possibly use us. And yet... The way we interpretate, interpretate, the way we interpretate, the way we interpret the tone of scripture, I believe is through scripture. The way we interpret scripture, period, is through scripture. And I was thinking about that, how many of us view ourselves as not good enough. And 
I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 6. It says, such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. And you got to understand, this is Paul writing again to the Corinthians. His own authority, his own um, apostleship, his own um, part in the body of Christ is being questioned. And he says, this is our confidence, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our confidence comes from God. He has made us competence at competence. I am on a roll today. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Listen, I'm not competent up here to speak the word of God. I'm certainly not worthy of it, but here's the reality. God's made me competent through his son. All I'm called to do is be faithful. So I don't need anybody to tell me I'm good enough. God's already said you're good enough. I've called you to do this. God's called you to be an integral part of the body of Christ. You're good enough because Jesus made you good enough and Jesus said you're good enough and anybody tells you you're not good enough, say, well, Jesus said so. I mean, what do people say to that? First, they might say, well, you're nuts. Second, it doesn't matter. Jesus said so. The second one, you know, the second way we hear it is sometimes condemning. You're the body of Christ. As if, if you don't serve, you're going to hell. Right? And that's how we hear it and that's what we begin to think through and it's almost as if our service or our lack of service just validates the worthlessness that we already suspected and so we hear it condemning that if i don't serve i'm not good enough i don't serve god doesn't love me we don't serve to gain god's love we serve because god already loved we get those backwards so many times some of us hear it as in you are the body of christ we hear you as in everybody else right Yeah, they are. That's awesome. And truthfully, anyone in Christ is. It is them, but it's also you. And I want you to hear that. I want you to get that in your heart. That God has chosen you. God picked you. God desires to use you and your giftings to paint an accurate picture for the world to see of who he is. Some of us hear it as burdening. Here is another burden because nobody in here would say, my plate is so empty, I would like one more thing on my plate. We hear it as burdening rather than life-giving, but the reality of God is he wants to bring life. Jesus said he came to give it life and give it abundantly. It's Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy life. Jesus wants to give it to us. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, listen, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is light. He wants to bring us life through service, not to burden us with something else. Some of us hear it as demanding. But when we truly serve Jesus out of a heart for him, for others, it's not demanding, it's freeing. Some of us view it as angry. You're the body of Christ, right? We don't serve to try to make God like us. We don't serve to try to keep God from being angry. We serve because Jesus already took the wrath and anger of God upon himself and we've been brought to a place of peace with God. That's why we serve. I want you to hear this. Number three, I want you to really hear this because this this is so important. Number one, we got to have a clear and accurate picture of the whole picture, the whole story. But in the big C, little C, number two, we have to have an accurate picture of ourselves. Number three, you have to have an accurate, accurate picture of serving. 
in general. Because like I said in the very beginning, so many of our ideas have been distorted through experience. And I want to give you this definition, pretty simple, a little long. But it's this, serving is God's love, working through the members of his body to give an accurate picture of himself to the world. Serving is God's love, working through the members of his body to give an accurate picture of himself to the world. Simply his love, working through the members of his body, give an accurate picture of himself to the world. Serving, in a nutshell. Listen to these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. It says, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now, and this is Paul transitioning. He says, now I'm going to show you the most excellent way. I'm going to show you the best gift. I'm going to show you the most important gift. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And Paul says the greatest gift is love working itself out through you. You can do all these things, church. We can, we can put as many people in blue shirts. We can serve. We can go out and do community projects. But if it's not God's love working in us and working out of us, it's all in vain. We're out of tune with God's heart. We're just a clanging symbol. Some of you, you've had your children get drum sets for Christmas. And you were like, what were we thinking? We did that once. The other two, the younger two, are like, can we get drunk? Hush. No. That's what the Bible says we are. If we're not loving, we're just clanging. We're just beating symbols together. We're out of tune. Serving is God's love working itself out through us, giving people an accurate picture. I want you to get this, and I want you to understand this, because I believe this is something that's very dangerous in our southern Christianity. I believe it's something that we struggle greatly with. I want you to understand some very important points about this serving, about what God calls us to do. And one is this, serving is communication of God's love. It's not an attempt to gain it. Okay? can't earn God's love. It's freely given. Servant is not an attempt to gain his love. We're just communicating the love that we already have. It's why in this church, like if, if, if you're not serving out of like grace and gratitude and out of love, and if you're serving out of guilt and condemnation, I mean, it's rude, but we, we don't want you to serve. And that's not like to say that Well, you're not good enough to serve. I already told you that's not the truth. But what we've realized over the years is this. If people serve and their heart is not for to serve God out of love and what we've already received, what it ends up doing is it ends up causing us in the long run to be burnt out and disillusioned. And many of us, our hearts will disconnect long before our bodies quit serving. We need to stay connected to God. We need to continue to realize that this is because of what God's given, not because of what I have to try to earn. The other number two, serving is our response to God's love, not an attempt to earn it. I already said you can't earn it. We can't gain it. We can't earn it. Point of serving 
is not us working for his love, but the point of serving is God's love working through us. And here's a big one, guys. Do not walk out of here misunderstanding this. We serve because we are saved, not to be saved. So many of us have been laboring for years in church, out of church, trying to do enough to achieve salvation. If we could do enough to achieve salvation, Jesus would not have come and die on a cross. The reality of it is the only way we come to salvation is by faith in Christ. Who took our sin, paid the price for it, and now calls us not only to himself, but to be a part of the big picture, the story that he's writing. What an awesome, incredible opportunity. One of the things I thought about in this is I was thinking about how to help you see the importance of this and how to see the importance and integral part that you play in the body. Um, I was thinking about this. How many of you have ever done dot to dot pictures? Anybody ever done that? Yeah. And as a child, maybe some of you as adults, just possibility. And so you, you, you did the dot to dot stuff. And so we, we, we put, took a picture of one. We wanted to show it to you today. Little dove there. We thought it was fitting, you know, dove, Holy Spirit, church, that kind of thing. And so it's a dot to dot. And the key to it is, you know, you have to connect the dots numerically and it makes a picture. And so you get this bird. But what's funny is what happens when you start removing dots. No longer a bird. It's just a strange object with an eye. Looks maybe like it could fly, like maybe a Chinese star or something like that, right? But when you start moving dots, what happens to the picture? It begins to be distorted. And so many times in the church, what happens, what begins to take place, is that dots aren't in their spot. And it's impossible to communicate an accurate picture of God to the world. This is what I want you to understand, that you are called to be a dot, to be a part of the picture that God is trying to show the world. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. But together, we can do it. Together, the Holy Spirit working through us, connecting those dots together. What an awesome picture we paint. The reality of who God is and his love for us. Just as every dot in this picture has a purpose in creating this image, you and I as believers have a purpose in showing the world the image of God. The last thing I'm going to say, and then we've got, got a couple of cool things we're going to do, is one is this. I was thinking this week, like, how do you communicate this? How do we get it through our heads that God truly wants to use us? And and for some reason, I started thinking about a car. And I started thinking about a dead car. How many of you have ever jump-started a car with battery cables? Anybody? How many of you are like me, and if it doesn't crank and it has gas, the only possibility or hope you have of fixing it is if it's jumper cables? Yeah. Like, I learned how to jump a car off. That's about it. Now I open the hood, and I'm like... I think there's an engine in there. Yeah, I don't, I just don't know anything else. And so, but, but I have had the occasion too of where I would connect the jumper cables wrong, not pleasant, right? You put them on the wrong terminal and that's not pleasant either. But, but the cool thing about jumper cables is this, you have one car that the battery is dead. It's not working. It's completely dead. It won't turn over. It won't crank the car. It's dead. So 
In contrast, you bring another car that has a battery that is what? Full of power. It is alive. And you take these jumper cables, you connect them to the live battery, you connect them to the power that is in this battery, and you take them and you stretch them out and you connect them to this dead battery. And what happens to the dead battery? It comes alive. It has the power that was in this battery in it. But what connects the two? What takes the power and the life here and puts it in here, bringing this battery to life? The jumper cables. And I believe what God does through us in serving is this. We connect to God, the source of life, the source of power. We begin to have the same power that is in God, the very God of the universe that raised Jesus from the dead, flowing through our lives. We connect to other people that are dead and God begins to take them from death to life. And then they become a part of his story. That's serving. It's not going through some motions it's being connected to the source of life and that life flowing through us so that we are literally being vessels of the power and life of God into the lives of other people if you can't get excited about that we need to check your life right that is awesome be a vessel and a conduit of the power of God bringing life to dead people that the Bible says we're spiritually dead when we're born physically alive an awesome crazy incredible thing that you and I as a part of the body have the opportunity to be used to take people from death to life I don't know of anything that's better than that I don't know about 10 year old uh, baseball doesn't get me as excited as seeing people go from death to life it just doesn't catching a big fish killing a big deer none of it and I am a redneck if you, haven't wondered, if you haven't figured that out. But the reality of it is, man, what an awesome opportunity. I was thinking, again, how can we get people to see it? I think people have a hard time seeing this. Their experience has distorted it so much. And one day in st- our staff meeting, I was sitting there and I, I, I asked them, I said, how does God see our people? How does God see us? We started writing out what it means to be a part of the body. We started writing out what it means to be a follower of Jesus and the gifts that he's given us. And we started writing down these scriptures. And then we took those scriptures as a staff and we wrote a letter with those scriptures. And we, now we have this letter framed and it's in every office that we have because we're going to read it and we're going to pray it for you and we're going to pray it for us. And we're going to believe that God's going to create in us the same identity that he's already given us, that we're going to begin to walk in that. We're going to begin to see it. And what you hold in your hand, you should have received one of these when you came in the door, is the letter that our staff wrote to you. And that's pretty impressive that our staff wrote you a letter. This is what we think of you. But even more impressive and even more awesome is the fact that every bit of this, every word of this comes straight out of scripture. And this letter is not just from us. It's a letter from God. And I want to read it to you right now. It says, Dear Connection, and it's got scripture after every sentence. You're gifted, equipped, and competent through Christ to glorify me. I've revealed myself to you in love and have intentionally purposed you to reveal my grace and love to others. I've given you the great privilege and responsibility of revealing an accurate picture of me to the world. I want you to see yourself the way I see you. I freed you from sin and condemnation and brought you into the kingdom of light. I said, you are my servant. I've chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. 
You're my handiwork and I've crafted you for an eternal purpose. You together with the others are called to something bigger than yourselves. Together, you are the church. You each supply something that's needed. You each bring something unique to my kingdom. You're interdependent with one another. Your purpose cannot be filled on your own. Instead, the church is like a body with many parts. You all work together as one. You are my church. You are my bride. I love you and delight in you. You are moving together as one, moving with a common purpose, rallying around a common mission to connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other every bit of that is scripture every bit is God's word to us every bit is giving us our true identity as people who are in Christ and followers of Jesus that our heart is to connect unbelievers to God to connect believers to each other to see people as we become the conduit of God's life and power impacted taken from death to life that's why we do what we do that is the big picture is bringing people to jesus as we connect them to god's love what a different way to view our serving what a different way to view the energy we spend one body moving together we started the service today and we sang those four hymns you saw people in the party you saw people out here holding signs you walked in the doors we sing four hymns you start getting a picture of a body that's united the cool thing about singing those hymns is that those hymns have been sung by the church for hundreds of years and we see that it connects us with all those believers who've sang them in the past as one body united under the headship of christ We look at serving and we realize it's a a continuation, not of some sort of tradition, but of a movement. It's a continuation of the movement that God started when he sent Jesus into the earth. And we continue that on. There's another way that we celebrate our unity in Christ. There's another way that we celebrate and join with the saints, the followers of Christ from hundreds and thousands of years ago. That's through communion. And we come to a place where we take communion together. And here's the cool thing about communion. Many of you have taken it before. Here's the cool thing about it. Not only is symbolic of connecting us together, but it's also symbolic that we're connected with Paul. We're connected with Peter. We're connected with James. We're connected with John. We're connected with all of the, the saints in the first century church. And we're also connected with every church since then that's gathered in the name of Jesus because of his power, because of the reality of who he is. And we come together as one body painting one picture of God throughout the ages what an awesome opportunity that's what we're going to do in fact I'm going to ask the people who are serving communion today if you would come down and you get the bread and you get the juice we're going to celebrate this together today here's the thing I would tell you that one we come and we celebrate the fact that it was in Jesus' body that our sins were placed that our sins were dealt with our sins were punished God's wrath failed so we don't serve out of attempt to appease God God was appeased on the cross we simply come to God now having been made at peace with him and Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed he said that he took the bread and he broke bread and he gave it to his disciples he said eat this is my body that was given for you and we come and we take the bread 
We do this by a method called intinction, where we dip the bread into the juice and eat it. Don't turn up the cup. We take that body, man. That is representative, one, of the body that took our sins. Two, it's representative of the fact that we're all one body, together, united under the headship of Christ. Jesus also said on the night that he gave himself up, he says this, that he took the cup and he blessed it. He had wine, we have juice, don't worry. He blessed it and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. I mean, I'm coming, I'm going to relate to my people differently. He said, this is my blood that was shed for you so that your sins could be forgiven. And he tells us to eat and drink in remembrance of him. And we take that bread and we dip it in that juice. It's a huge thing. It's not something to be taken lightly. In fact, we need to examine our hearts before we take it. It's a huge thing. It brings us face to face with Jesus. It brings us face to face with his church, with his body. We look into the eyes of Christ and celebrate the life that he's given us as believers. This is what I want to do. I want to pray. And as we pray, I want you to examine your heart. As a believer, you come after I pray and you come around out to your left and come back around to your right. serve you communion we're going to celebrate the life of Christ if you're here today and you don't know Jesus man maybe you've taken communion before but you didn't know him today we'd love for you to take it for the first time as a believer if you don't know him when you take communion you want to know him come see me man I'm I'm just going to go stand over here everybody's going to be moving everybody's going to be looking staring you down I just want to talk to you pray with you come and we'll welcome you into the family of God, the body of Christ, the church. Let's pray, examine our hearts, and then let's come and take communion. You make a decision today that God's calling you. You come and see me today. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to share in your body, to share the blood. We thank you for what it represents, God, forgiveness of sin. We're at peace with you, that we've been reconciled to you, God. Help us see that we are a part of the body. If we are in faith, faith is in you Lord we're an integral part of what you do and the picture you create for this world but we love you and we thank you Jesus thank you that you gave your life for us that we could have life Lord may this be the most powerful experience of communion we've ever had as we look into your eyes to experience again your forgiveness and your grace